Thank you. You may be seated. Thanks, team. You guys are awesome. Anyone thankful for a great worship team? They are legends. Well, my name is Luke. It's good to meet you, and I apologize in advance for the accent. Uh, I don't think I have an accent until I get out of my country and realize I do. Uh, and I've been learning at summer camp all week that you guys not just talk differently, but you use different words for different things. So I have made sure to ask Josh, do you say things the same way as we say them? And he had a good laugh just before because I came up to him and asked him about a word. He said, I've never heard that word in my life. What are you talking about? So I tried to explain what I was talking about. He said, oh, no, you just call it this. So we're going on the journey tonight. But uh, it's an honor to be here. And my wife is here. Melissa, why don't you stand to your feet? Yeah, that is Missy, and uh, she's Canadian, and uh, our three kids, nine, seven, and five, Ruby, Bella, and Cruz, are actually in Vancouver right now with Missy's parents, which is cool, and in a few days, we're going to go see them. I actually haven't, by the time I get to see them, it will have been three weeks, and so that's probably the longest it's been, so I am very much looking forward to seeing them, but I've had an amazing time here, and uh, I don't know if you're thankful like I am for your incredible senior pastors, Pastor Steve and Sharon, but can we give it up for them just for a moment, because if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be here, and, uh, and I'm so thankful for their friendship in our lives, but also to uh, incredible individuals that have been such great friends to Pastor Paul and Marie, and the good news is that although it is still very much a journey, and if you don't know the story, my Dad was uh, diagnosed with stage four cancer in the brain, the lungs, the liver, and the adrenal glands in about November last year. Uh, and we have just had a scan before we left six months later to check up what was all going on. He had surgery in his brain very quickly after we found that there were three tumors in there. And by God's grace, we can report that he is cancer-free in the brain, which is pretty amazing. God is good. And the other scan is showing signs that the medication that he's on in the literal worldwide prayer uh, is making a difference in those spots in every part of his body. And so I, I share that to encourage you to say prayer works. Uh, I, I, I'm, I, the way I put it is I'm believing for a medical miracle, that all the medicine that's available will do what it needs to do, and all the prayer that's available will do what it needs to do, and the, the coming together, and we're going to, by God's grace, uh, see a story unfold a modern-day Bible story that's going to breathe hope into people to say, you know what, we can trust God, and God is good, and God is moving. Amen? Well, we're going to come around God's Word. I love God's Word. It's not just a book that we in church open every now and then, but it is the living Word of God. And uh, hopefully you brought your Bible because you are in church. If you didn't, I am going to have this on the screen in the moment. But anyone thankful for the power of God's Word? of us. Anyone thankful for the power of God's Word? Good. Okay. I just want to put it out there. This is legit. From cover to cover, it's all you need for the roadmap of your life. Don't ever buy into the lie in our society or our culture that it is outdated, that it doesn't make sense, or that it's not for you. This here will change your life. And we're going to read a passage of Scripture in the book of Matthew. Matthew uh, ch chapter 16, and we're going to read from verses 13 to 19, and this passage is an interaction that takes place with Jesus and one of his disciples, the disciple known as Peter, 
And I want you to capture the words that we're going to read tonight because it's going to be the basis of where we go. It says this in verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? What's the opinion of the culture and the crowd? He turns up to a region and asks his disciples, the boys on the ground, so to speak, who is everyone saying that I am? Because if you understand the biblical context, the Jewish people were believing for a coming Messiah, but it wasn't anything like Jesus was. Jesus rocks up and everyone starts getting a little upset in Christianville because this guy's claiming to be the son of God. You shouldn't be doing that. This guy grew up as the carpenter's son. Who does he think he is to start doing miracles on days off? He wasn't everyone's cup of tea and he still isn't to this day, as we know. But he turns up to the region and he asks them, who does everyone else or what does culture say about me? Well, verse 14 says, they replied, some of the people around here are saying that you're John the Baptist. Some of, you are say- some of them are saying that you're Elijah And there's others that are saying you're Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? And good old Simon Peter, you can trust him. He's got his foot and mouth disease. He always speaks up (laughs) ahead of time. You know those friends? Yeah, that's, that's Pete. Simon Peter answered, hey, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. You've got to understand that was countercultural. We look back and we look back retrospectively, but this is on the journey of Jesus' life who's pulled these fishermen, who's pulled these rugged dudes and said, just come follow me. And all of this stuff is happening and there is this tension where they are seeing firsthand that Jesus is legit. But they're hearing firsthand that he's nothing like he's claiming to be. And so this was a strange response from Pete, and Jesus replies in verse 17, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being, any cultural norm, any tabloid of the day. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. Everyone say rock not rock, rock, that's the one, and upon this rock, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it, all the powers of hell will not conquer it, and then it gets even better, verse 19, and I will, Jesus speaking, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Ultimate cheat code for this life here on earth. I'm telling you, this book's got it all. And so the title for my message tonight, the thought that I have, if you're taking notes because you do want to get to heaven, that's the way to get there, is a New Zealand phrase I found out that is, Also an American phrase, but you guys like to be different, so you put it the other way around, but I'm going to stick with my New Zealand version. Paper, scissors, or rock? Josh informed me that it's rock, 
paper or scissors here. Seriously. Anyway. Taking notes, the title is Paper, Scissors, or Rock. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you you're already here. As you've already been exalted through our worship, Lord God, would you inhabit the praise of your people? Father, I pray if this is our first time in an environment like this, or we know what it is to be a Christian, that you would speak through your word. Lord, would your realness, your relevancy, be a part of our hearts and our lives. Change us from the inside out. I pray this wouldn't just be another message I preach or another six that we're a part of, or a word that we hear, but you would speak in and through your word, in and through this message tonight in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Have you ever played the game Paper, Scissors, Rock? It's a great game. It decides a lot of fights in my household. But have you ever had that one friend, maybe it was at high school, maybe you've scored this friend, maybe it's someone in your family, and they always try to use a different element. You know, instead of paper, scissors, rock, or rock, paper, scissors, and you either do scissors, paper, or rock, they try whip out bomb. They try whip out snake. They try whip out lightning. They try whip out devil. You know, like they try all sorts of different cheat codes, but it doesn't work because the game is based around three elements, paper, scissors, and rock. I get the idea or the concept that scissors cuts paper. That makes sense to me. It even makes sense to me that rock smashes scissors. That's possible. But I've got a beef with the fact that paper can wrap rock. Because <laughs> first of all, for that to actually happen, we need tape. So now tape needs to be added to the game, but then the game wouldn't work because it needs three elements, not four. And the last time I checked, if you had a rock and you sat it on paper, it wins. <laughs> and maybe that's where the theory came that rock never fails. But the truth is, we understand how important paper is in our daily lives. We use paper all the time, although we're slowly getting into the digital age. But paper is manufactured. Paper is the result of a process to get what we need to use it, whereas rock is actually a mineral of varial composition, I sound smart now, this was just Google, that is actually a part of nature. We manufacture to get paper, but rock is a stable and dependable and foundational element in our world. What does this all mean? Well, we find here Jesus speaking to Simon Peter, and he says, I want to take your name Simon and rename you Peter, because Peter means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Jesus is very intentional with the words he uses in scripture. It's not by chance that he chose rock over scissors or paper. Rock is a foundation that you and I can be assured of. And it's really intriguing to me that we find here in Matthew, the guy he renames from Simon to Peter, from loser to rock, is the same guy. Fast forward a few chapters, you're going to find is the same guy that denies the same Jesus three times. Now we understand Jesus is fully human and fully God, and if he's God, he 
knows the beginning from the end and he knows the end from the beginning. Chances are, very good chance, Jesus already knew what Pete was gonna be up to in a few chapters time. But he made an intentional decision before Pete could even fail, not just once, not just twice, but three times, he said, I choose you to build my kingdom upon. And I wonder how many of us disqualify ourselves when we get it wrong, when we make mistakes, when we fail ourselves, we fail other people, we fail Jesus, and we count ourselves out from the ability for God to work in us. But as we're gonna discover, Jesus makes a point not just to call him rock, but to say, now upon the rock, not only are you just good enough for me, Jesus wants to build his church upon you. You may be sitting there saying, well, my name's not Pete. (laughs) The good news is we discover in God's word that long before you or I could ever choose him, he chose us. He's good with you. And I'm, I'm all for these Sunday experiences. I love corporate worship, I love the presence of God, I'm all about that, but this is not just where our faith resides. See, Jesus doesn't want us just to come to church. He says here, he wants you and I to be the church. So the question for me is, are you and I, are we all in a society that we're now in, basing the idea of church around the ecclesia, the coming together, or are we actually being the church? We're gonna look at this in a moment, but I've discovered that we've got great role models in the Bible that failed Jesus when he was right there with them to give you and I courage to say, you know what, I'm good. But if we're really honest, I can speak from my own experience. I'm 36 years old. I've been in church my whole life, but I know myself better than anyone else knows me. And if I'm not careful because I know who I am and I know all of my shortcomings, I can try to talk myself out of being good enough to be the church. Truth be told, I just wanna go to church because it feels good and it doesn't put weight of responsibility on me. But there's a dying, hurting, lost world looking for (laughs) Bible-believing, Jesus-following Christians to say, I don't have it all together, but I know a guy who does. And unfortunately, Christians get a bad rap because there's so much hypocrisy. You gotta do better. (laughs) Well, you can talk. Whereas I've found it's very freeing to realize God chose us and said, and upon my choice, I will build what's gonna come here. And so we cannot just get enamored with the six or the Sunday or the experience at the cost or the expense of losing out on a personal living relationship with Jesus. See, our salvation is not a one-hit one wonder where you came to the front or you lifted your hand and that's done for. Yes, I believe the moment you say yes to Jesus is the moment you are saved. But I've discovered it's a daily decision to follow. 
See, I've got three young kids, and if they do a good job one day and follow me, well, the next day is a different story. They've got to make a decision again every single day. And the beauty about God is the Bible says His mercy is renewed every single day. If our faith is just built around Sunday expression and what we get from it, then I would have to challenge the fact that we are just consumers of Christianity. Whereas Jesus challenges the disciples like he's challenging you and I in this moment to say, who's ready to stand? Who's ready to follow? Who's ready to make a difference? Who's ready to be the church in the 21st century Christianity? Because that is going to be the answer to the need in our world. We are the church. We don't just go to church. And this is why here at Wave, it would be very similar to how it is back home at life. This is why we are all about groups. Seriously, if your only experience or expression of community is coming on a Sunday, you're missing out on so much. Sundays are great, but when you do life with people, two things happen. Number one, you realize you're not the only one with issues. Everyone's got them. But number two, you realize that not only do you need people, people need you. And the moment any human understands they are able to make a difference is the moment you rise and get going. But not only do we find community in groups, I do believe the challenge for us when it comes to being the church is that we need to participate through serving. And then we get the permission to receive by attending. But sometimes we get it the other way around. Well, if God's good enough for me, then I'll think about whether I give him my finances, my time, my worship. But God's calling us to be the church, not just go to church. And so I've got three simple thoughts tonight as I often do, because <laughs> I'm not a scholar by any means, that I've discovered when I read this passage, and I've read this passage many times, where it takes three simple things for you and I to be the church, to live the way Pete had to decide to live. And the good news is, Pete didn't arrive when he became Peter from being Simon, because he failed Jesus in the future. So this is not a cheat code to make sure that you feel like you'll never fail. That's Failure is part of the equation. But I've found that as we read here, the first thing Peter did that created the room for him to be the rock where Jesus built his church upon was number one, he had a confession of faith. Jesus poses this question as we read, who do you say I am? If I asked you tonight, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus? If someone rolled up a university at where you work, where you play sport and said, can you tell me who Jesus is? What would your answer be? Because it was the confession, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, a personal revelation, as Jesus puts it, that gave access for his name to change. You didn't get this from humans, Jesus said. You got this from God. Have you got a revelation for yourself? The question from Jesus tonight is, who do you say 
I am. Maybe you say he's a Jewish man There was a carpenter. Maybe he is your savior. Maybe he's your healer. He's your redeemer. He's your Lord of all. But you see, the world will try and challenge our confession. But I have learned many times in my life that I actually have to choose to confess out of a place of faith rather than my current reality. It's not just enough to confess, oh, you're Jesus. People say that you are Elijah, you're John the Baptist. You're, we can easily take secondhand knowledge and claim it as personal revelation. But sometimes we've got to get past the doubt and the fear and have a confession of faith. See, it was not normal for Pete to say what he said. It wasn't a known thing. And this is why Jesus said, you've got it, because you've been able to confess by faith what you got from God. What is faith? Well, the way I'd put it is it's a belief that's not based on proof, but truth. So we want the proof. But God says, if you want a life that's built in a way that the world can't build, but only God can, you're going to ha- actually have times where confession of faith is going to be needed. That is why it's hard to say, I'm a follower of Jesus, when you're in environments that aren't Christian. Because it's countercultural. let's be honest for a moment. Ever stepped out, put your neck on the line, and you get a whole lot of hate? What is that? Well, that's light penetrating darkness. If you've ever been in a dark room and someone flicks the lights on when you're not ready, what do you do? Turn it off! It hurts. It's annoying. I can't see now because I, all I see is that yellow dot. This is why it's actually okay to get reaction like we get. But how many know when you are in a place where that becomes a challenge when the second opportunity presents itself, we shy away. This is where confession of faith now kicks in. I know that I know you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. I'm pretty sure all the other disciples are like, whoa, chill out, bro. <laughs> what is our confession of faith? Romans 1 verse 16 says this, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. The Jew first and also the Gentile. What that means is everyone. Doesn't matter what your background has been. Doesn't matter whether you've got it all together or you don't. Anyone that believes can be saved. The interesting thing is it's a great scripture, but the guy that wrote it, Paul, was a guy known as Saul, he killed Christians. He's the dude that had that crazy moment on the road. He gets blinded, God turns up, changes his life forever. That guy who hated Christians is the same guy who's pending words like this, for I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. How could he not be living in shame of what he'd done? personal encounter and now a confession of faith. 
Secondly, not just a confession of faith, but if we wanna be people that are the church that God builds his church upon, we need, secondly, a commitment to freedom. So if the first question from Jesus tonight is, who do you say I am? I think the next question from Jesus tonight is, who do I say you are? So now not just what do you say about me, but Jesus is now asking you to answer the question, who do I say you are? Because the crowd called him Simon, but Jesus decided to call him Peter. Maybe you call yourself a failure. Maybe you call yourself disappointment. Maybe you call yourself a doubter. Well, my Bible tells me that Jesus calls you redeemed. Jesus calls you chosen. Jesus calls us forgiven. But as good as that is, you have to have a commitment to freedom. What do I mean by that? Galatians 5 puts it this way in verse 1. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. If I asked you to recount or recall that moment, if you've made a decision for Jesus, that moment you discovered him, you'll be able to tell me how good it felt. The sheer relief because all the guilt, all the shame, gone, all the forgiveness, all the grace has come. But it is all too often that we do a long time in God and we get trapped in the way we're supposed to be. This is why when you first become a Christian, you have no problem telling everyone about it because it made a difference in your life. But then you know better and then you fail and so then you're like, dang it. And you go from the front row to the middle row to the back row to the car park to the church online. Hopefully we're not online right now. Love you guys. (laughs) To not coming at all. Galatians says, if you've been set free, do everything you can to commit to freedom. To stay free from lawless, the the laws of this earth, so to speak. You and I need to commit to living according to truth, not feeling. Every time I make a decision based on feeling, I make a poor one. But every time I assess the situation, I say, what is truth in this moment? I'm making a better decision. Culture of the day is you are what you feel. Do what you like. Don't worry about what it means for anyone else. Just worry about you. And then that's where we start to get the labels that we live under. But Jesus is asking, who do I say you are? You're not Simon. You are God's chosen you. He doesn't look for qualified people. He qualifies every single one of them. But you've got to have a commitment to saying, you know what? Despite my sin, despite my shortcomings, despite all of the realities. And the Bible says there's consequences for bad decisions and consequences for good ones. But grace doesn't make sense. But grace is freely given, the Bible says. You and I not just need a confession of faith, but a commitment to freedom. 
Is it making sense? Keeping up with my accent? (laughs) And then thirdly and finally, not just confession of faith, commitment to freedom, but courage in failure. So we need to have faith to declare. We need to have permission to live in freedom and commit to it. But now we need courage in failure. The question that Jesus is posing a third question tonight, I think, is this. Who do you say you are? So if the first question is, who do you say I am? And the second one is, who do I say you are? The third one we've got to ask is, who do we say we are? Because I've discovered, naturally, we think failure is the end. But in God, failure is the beginning. Because the moment you and I get to a place where we surrender (laughs) is the moment Jesus can begin his work. True it was for Jesus where he was in the garden and he said, man, if there's any other way, God, hook a brother up. (laughs) But not my will be done, but yours. To the disciples and definitely to the crowd, that moment looked like failure. We read it. They're even prodding him in the side. They're giving it to him and saying, ah, so much, so, so, so much for the Messiah. King of the Jews, he says. Look at him now. Failure was what was projected from a world standard But Jesus had courage to go all the way. And thank God he did because you and I now live in the abundance of that decision. The truth is, I guess psychologically they say, what you believe about yourself, you'll end up becoming. That's how we're wired. So who do you say you are? Hebrews 10, verse 35 to 39, as I bring this to a close and get the band to come and join me, don't be distracted as they do, but I want you to capture what Hebrews 10, 35 to 39 says. Do not lose your courage. Do not lose your courage. Then, because it brings with it a great reward, you need to now be patient in order to do the will of God and receive what he promises. For as the scripture says, just a little while longer, and he who is coming will come, he will not delay. My righteous people, however, will believe and live, but if any of them turns back, I will not be pleased with them. Then verse 39 says this, we are not people who turn back and are lost, Instead, we have faith and are saved. We are not people that turn back and are lost, but when challenge comes, when disappointment comes, when doubt presents itself at the table, we make a decision to confess, to commit, and to have courage because we have faith and are saved. There's a great song back in the day, I think it was from Chombawamba. 
I get knocked down, but I get up again. Too many Christians get knocked down and never get back up again. Too many of us are too hard on ourselves because we don't have the right understanding of how good God's grace is. This is how good it is. The Bible says, whilst you and I are still sinners, while it's going on, while we're turning our back on Him, Christ died for us. And I totally believe with all of my heart that if we have a bold confession of what we believe and who we believe in, and pair that with a commitment to live in the grace Jesus freely gives, then you and I will have the ability, despite the outcomes or the nature or the narrative of our culture, to live courageously. But as we've discovered, it's gonna take a decision point to declare, who do you say I am? To believe who Jesus calls you to be. And then ultimately, to get our self-talk in check, to get ourselves back on track to who God is. Because if we commit to being the church, we will see what Jesus declared as we read in Matthew. I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. We as people may not be perfect, but Jesus chooses us and newsflash, his church has and will always stand the test of time. But he's wanting to use you. He's wanting to use me to see the church become all she can be. So the encouragement from me to you is let's always be a community of people that fully love God and do everything within our natural ability and power to love others. That's the answer. It's not some great theological debate. It's not getting the right Christian politician to make some great policies or decisions. It's actually simply about Christians saying, you know what, I'm gonna love God with all my heart and I'm gonna love people. I'm going to confess. <laughs> I'm gonna really confess out of a place of faith that God's got this. <laughs> I'm gonna commit to not getting sucked back into the vortex of, well, you should have done better and you know better, so you're out. Someone else is in, no, God chooses you. And then to have courage even when we fail. Easier said than done, I know, because I'm in the same boat. But I do believe with all of my heart that if every single person in Virginia Beach that loved Jesus were to activate as Pete had to activate. Honestly, the city would be saved. The church is the hope of the world. The church is the answer. And the church is not a building. It's you and it's me. I want to encourage you as a Christian to not buy into perfectionism because that's not what Jesus is after. But if you're willing to let him rename you, you're willing to let yourself fail him, and you're willing to trust that his ways are higher than your ways, we will see the church stand, shine, and make a difference in our generation. Amen. Maybe just with every head bowed, every eye closed, just before I hand it back, if 
you're in this place and for whatever reason, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then I just wanna talk to you for a moment. I'm asking everyone to bow their head and close their eyes so that there's no distraction, but I want you, every single one of us, to consider where we're at. Because to have a confession of faith is actually the answer to living in grace. The Bible says that any human being that would believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with their mouth that it is so, they shall be saved. No more sin, no more shame, no more pain in the sense that God's grace covers it all. But right now or even before now, the enemy would be at work to try and convince you otherwise. Well, if they knew what you really did, if they knew what happened this week, well, then maybe it would be different. Well, that's a total lie. God's chosen you. Tonight, would you choose Him? Right across this place with heads bowed and eyes closed, you say, Luke, that's me. I wanna say yes to a relationship with Jesus. In a moment, I'm gonna give you the words to pray. I'm gonna ask all of us to pray them, but maybe you've never had the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. If that's you tonight, you say, you know what? I've never had that opportunity, but I've heard that God loves me and God cares for me and I want a relationship with Him. Well, I wanna encourage you to make this decision. It's the best decision you will ever make. A decision you'll never regret. Or maybe tonight, if you're honest, maybe no one knows what's going on in your world but you're away from God. You once had a relationship, but sin has entered the camp or decisions you've made or someone's made against you has caused you to live out of relationship with Jesus. Come home. And I'm gonna believe with you that God's gonna enter your heart and life and it's all gonna change. Whether you're here in the room or online, say, that's me, Luke. I'm saying yes to relationship with Jesus. Two hands already online. I'm gonna ask you just to lift your hand long enough and high enough for me to see it. Once I see it, I'll acknowledge it. You can put it down. Just so I know who I'm praying for. Anyone else wanna join these legends online? Say, that's me, just give me a wave. And then we're gonna pray the greatest prayer. Awesome decision, champion. Decision I believe you'll never regret. Anyone else just say, yeah, that's me, just give me a wave. I wanna say yes for the first time or I wanna reconnect my life to Christ. Awesome, see you. I don't wanna talk you into it. Someone will talk you out of it, but this is a couple more seconds for anyone to say, don't miss me, just give me a wave. Awesome, honey, great decision. We're all gonna pray this prayer together and I'm gonna ask every single one of us to pray it like we mean it. We're gonna believe for God to do what only He can do. Why don't we say these words? Say, God, tonight, I give you my life. I'm sorry for my sin and trying to do my own thing. Tonight, I choose you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for loving me, forgiving me, and giving me a fresh start. I declare I'm a follower of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we celebrate every single person that made that decision? So good. And just one final thing, I'd love to pray for anyone that would say, you know what, there was a message for me, Luke. I doubt myself or I doubt that God could use me or I'm saved and I'm a Christian, but challenged tonight to realize that God wants to use me and to build His church on me. Because when you get to that place and discover that, you now get a life where you're not free from all the challenges of the world we live in, 
But you live a life where the gates of hell cannot prevail because he is the captain of your ship. And so I'm gonna ask the team, I'm gonna give it back to Devonte, but I'm gonna ask the team to sing a song of worship. If you're saying, that's me, like it's me tonight, I'm always saying, God, I, I need to come back to what matters. We're just gonna worship. I'm gonna encourage you to stand to your feet and worship. Say, I, I, I'm actually making a decision. I need to declare and confess in a place of faith right now. The proof's not there, but I know the truth. And when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Or you're saying, you know what? I've been in freedom, but I need to come to a place tonight and recognize I need to commit to staying free. Or you've backed off. You come to the six, you're friendly with people, but you've lost your courage. And tonight's gonna be a night where you say, I'm getting my courage back. Because the same God who said to Simon, you are now Peter, is the same God who chooses you to build his church. So as we worship, if that's for you, I'm going to encourage you to stand to your feet. We're going to just believe for God to do what only he can do. So that's it. If you want to stand, you stand. We're going to believe as we worship God, he's going to move.